0: Focus on headline. All right, as always, to find out what's happening, all the major headlines that took place earlier in the day for the latest in Focus on Headline. Uh, we're going to turn to our reporters who are joining us for Focus Online. Uh, this time in the studio, we have Kwon Zwa and Cheji ji as well. Guys, welcome back.
1: Good evening. Good evening.
0: All right, uh, so uh, for all of our listeners out there, we have been keeping a close eye uh, we are, of course, uh, approaching the end of the year. If we look back at uh, some of the top stories that happened uh, in the past uh, 12 months or so, it's been uh, trying to cut down on the inflation, the interest rates going up. Well, we're going to start things off uh, with uh, some outlook on the country's inflation. The BOK expects inflation in the country to ease steadily. Uh, this thanks to stabilizing oil costs and the impact of the economic slowdown at home and abroad as well. But Supply side uncertainty is expected to linger for the time being here. Uh, Chihi, you have the details of this. You're going to start us off.
1: Mm-hmm. So, South Korea's central bank said the country's inflation is likely to grow at about 5% for the time being, uh, but price growth will slow down steadily. Uh, However, the Bank of Korea expressed concerns that uncertainty remains high as there are supply-side factors such as the ongoing Ukraine war, uh, sanctions on Russia, and oil exporters' decision to cut production uh, that could send recently subsiding oil prices soaring again. And in a report on its assessment of inflation conditions, it said, uh, quote-unquote, going forward, consumer prices will likely grow at around 5% for a period of three months. Uh, but the upward pace will slow down as oil prices hikes uh, are expected to subside and downside pressure from the slowing economy will mount. And the latest projection came as the central bank has hiked its benchmark interest rate uh, by a combined 2.75 uh, percentage points since August last year. Uh, and this was to tame inflation That has risen at the fastest pace in more than two decades, uh, and the current rate stands at 3.25%, as we know. And inflation has been mostly driven by soaring energy and major commodity prices amid global supply chain disruptions compounded by the war in Ukraine that broke out in February. I can't believe it's uh, almost been a year since that war. And in July, uh, the country's consumer prices jumped to 6.3% from a year earlier, and this was the fastest rise since November 1998. Uh, And the BOK Governor Lee Chang-yong said consumer prices could grow at a steadily slow pace next year, but they will continue to rise faster than the central bank's midterm target range, uh, which warrants the central bank's continued focus on fighting inflation going forward, And when he was asked uh, during the press conference if the 3.5 percentage would be the terminal level of the current rate increase cycle, uh, he said the level is not what the BOK will push for, but it's subject to change depending on economic uh, conditions moving forward. And he said uh, that the inflation rate gradually declines during next year. Uh, It will continue to remain a level exceeding the 2 percentage target. Uh, And the BOK will hold next year's first rate-setting meeting in uh, mid-January.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, kind of looking at uh, different numbers that have been coming out from some of the the economic experts, uh, you know, obviously the inflation figures for South Korea is uh, very different uh, compared to some of the other countries like in the United States and in Europe as well. Uh, The U.S. seeing something like around in the 7% range, whereas the Europe, uh, the Eurozone, something like 10% range. And so they're saying, of course, even with the U.S. Fed, they do expect uh, the inflation. They have a target of, uh, of 2% as well, and they're saying it's going to probably uh, take them uh, quite a long time as well. Uh, but so uh, amid the uh, the global economic downturn, uh, large companies in the country operated below 80% of their capacity in the third quarter of the year. Uh, so uh, tell us more about the current situation right now.
2: Sure. The average capacity utilization rate of 200 companies stood at 7 284 percent in the July to September span according to corporate tracker leaders index which analyzes the top 500 domestic companies said on Tuesday that's a drop by two point one percent percentage point from the year before and also down one percentage point from Q3 of 2020. And that was the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Capacity utilization. Uh, let me explain a little bit about the capacity utilization. It's an important measure for a business or economy. And in a production firm, full capacity is defined as being able to produce at its maximum level, and the capacity utilization rate is the relationship between the actual and maximum potential outputs. Industry watchers attribute the decline to a weak performance in production on the heels of the global recession, thus a sluggish demand, although production capacity has been expanded on the back of an increase in facility investment. So let's take a look uh, at the categories. Uh, There were 14 in total that uh, were assessed. Construction material manufacturers saw profits plunge to the lowest and by the biggest amount. Uh, The capacity utilization rate came at 70.5 percent, down 7.4 percentage points from the third quarter last year. And that's especially affected by the frozen real estate market. Uh, Ship and machinery makers also experienced drops by 7.4 percentage point to 72.9 percent. And other drops were experienced in the energy companies, petrochemical makers and distribution firms as well. The only two sectors that enjoyed an increase were car and car parts makers and the pharmaceutical sector, with a rate rising by 2.5 percentage point and 0.8 percentage point respectively to 79.7 and 93 percent respectively.
0: And of course, uh, again, I mean, this was all widely uh, expected uh, as the global economic recession is expected to be protracted. Uh, also, local companies facing a slowdown in business operations are also starting to reduce the number of employees and uh, not to mention a cut down on costs as well. That We've been talking about how the employment figure has been increasing. Uh, until recently but when we do see uh, recessions like this happening and uh, companies just unable to afford uh, some of the workers here we're going to see a reduced reduction in the number of employees but uh, let's get more on this Jihee.
1: Sure so companies here and there are slowing down on recruitment and hiring and are even cutting down the number of existing personnel offering them to resign voluntarily. Uh, Investing plans for next year are also being reviewed from a conservative perspective to tighten their management. And the wave of restructuring among the U.S. big tech companies has now shifted to the logistics and financial sectors within South Korea as well. And the industry is already highly concerned over a possible worst-ever employment condition that may hit next year. So, companies in the logistics, finance, and IT industries are reducing the number of employees uh, and even their stores they operate to make the business run more efficiently under limited costs. And recommended resignation uh, was also carried out, offering employees bonuses of up to uh, 35 months worth of basic salary. Oh, wow. Yes, and uh, as the industry situation faces a great slowdown this year with limited growth, companies have no choice but to cut down on the number of their existing employees as well. Uh, Some companies are also looking into making production staff go on temporary layoff in rotation with each other every three to seven months. And the finance sector, including banks, has also begun receiving voluntary uh, retirement applications. And from the five major banks of South Korea, including KB, Shinhan, uh, Hana, Udi, and uh, almost 2,400 employees will be leaving voluntarily. And as employment status is an index that comes after an economic recession usually, the labor market next year is expected to be hit even harder because of this year's economic recession. Uh, Some businesses may even face a mass discontinuation of their businesses. And according to a recent survey conducted by Inkurutu, only 10.3 percent of companies said they will increase the number of their newly hired next year. And over 30 percent answered they will hire fewer next year uh, than this year. And also, telecommunication and platform companies are also adjusting their recruitment plans following concerns over next year's economic slump. And the difficulty in the labor market is expected to be seen within the construction sector as well, uh, because the real estate market is speculated to maintain its condition uh, moving into next year. However, many large companies say they will continue their plans for investment uh, in securing a new growth engine for the future while reducing overall operating costs.
0: Yeah, and again, I mean, uh, the the consensus is that this, I mean, whether or not you want to admit that there is a recession going on, uh, certainly the economic state uh, here in South Korea is not looking so rosy, uh, but it's not going to be something that's going to be there for a prolonged time is what they're hoping for. Hence, uh, some of the larger companies are able to make these investments. But uh, of course, the companies that are going to be impacted the most are the pretty much the the medium-sized companies and the smaller Uh, businesses as well. Um, Staying with industry news, the South Korean government's quick response to the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, This is drawing positive assessments from car importers uh, both in the U.S. and Europe as well. Uh, So what are you going to fill us in on this?
2: Right. These assessments are referring to the South Korean government's preemptive all-out efforts to minimize potential damage that the Inflation Reduction Act could cause on South Korean companies as the I. IRA only subsidizes electric vehicles produced in North America. According to automobile industry sources on Monday, Jennifer Safavian, the CEO of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, said in a recent meeting with member companies that the that Korea responded very quickly by immediately highlighting the problem and actively suggesting alternative Uh, Alternatives uh, such as the need to revise the law. She added the active communication between the Korean government, the U.S. administration, and Congress has been very helpful to the association and member companies. Now, the American International Automobile Dealers Association is a trade association representing the U.S. operations of uh, international auto manufacturers that do business in the U.S., and its member companies include global brands such as Toyota, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volkswagen, as well as Korean firms Hyundai Motor and Kia. The association, too, is seeking countermeasures with member companies to minimize damage from the IRA. Uh, The global chief operating officer at Hyundai Motor, Jose Munoz, also said South Korea's response was quicker than any other country, even compared to those in Europe. Uh, speaking of Europe, though, Germany and France are up to an aggressive response to the Inflation Reduction Act, with both of the country's economy ministers planning to make a trip to the U.S. in January to discuss the consequences of IRA and defend European nations' interests.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, at the same time, it, it's not surprising that uh, South Korea was the quickest to respond to the negative impacts of the Inflation Reduction Act and that, I mean, South Korea's Uh, sales of electric vehicles uh, was certainly robust compared to some of the other uh, imported cars here. And uh, you're obviously going to get the kind of response from an American International Automobile Dealers Association uh, when sales of uh, overseas cars are going to be impacted by the Inflation Reduction Act. But again, You know, so far, all we've gotten from the Biden administration in regards to this was that, quote unquote, there were glitches and maybe there's some room for improvements here. But uh, other than that, we haven't really been seeing anything on that front. But uh, hopefully there are some changes there because uh, according to some of the statistics that have been coming out, sales of electric vehicles for uh, Hyundai Motor and Kia has been slumping ever since uh, the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, Guys, let's move on to some COVID-19 related updates here. Uh, The country's indoor mask mandates may possibly be lifted uh, as early as mid-January. This is uh, according to health authorities. But uh, if you look at some of the numbers that are coming out uh, these days, you question whether or not uh, that may be the right thing. But, uh At the same time, uh, they are saying that if it is done so, it may be done in a phased manner. Uh, ji you have more on this.
1: Right. So as the South Korean government is considering lifting these indoor mask rules in mid-January, which is before the country's Lunar New Year Day, people may be able to enjoy the first mask-free holiday season in three years. So while the Ministry of Health and Welfare is set to announce on Friday its detailed measures on when and how the mask requirement will be relaxed, uh, based on discussions with medical experts, some advisors taking part in the talks said it's highly likely uh, that the mandate will be gradually lifted uh, from this time at the earliest. And the easing of the measures is likely to come in two phases. So in the first phase, masks will no longer be a requirement, but a recommendation in public places except for high-risk facilities such as hospitals, uh, nursing homes, pharmacies, and public transportation. And the rule will then be fully lifted in all indoor facilities in the next phase. Uh, and the KDCA recently announced a set of indicators based on which it will decide when to lift the mask mandate. And they include the number of daily cases, the reproduction rate, uh, the which is the number of new infections caused by one each Uh, one case, Mm -hmm. and the medical capacity in emergency rooms, the number of critical cases, as well as booster vaccination coverage among the elderly population. But then there are widely differing views of the appropriate timing to remove the indoor mask mandate among experts, but then they all generally do agree that the mask requirement should eventually end within the country. Uh, but then, like you said, we're still seeing a rapid surge in Omicron's latest subvariants. And the latest study by the National Institute for Mathematical Sciences predicted daily infections to reach 100,000 in the next couple of weeks. Uh, moreover, there are also suspicions that health authorities are in fact being pressured to lift mandate based on political calculations rather than based on scientific data. And discussions on dropping the indoor mask mandate, in fact, gained momentum after Daejeon City Hall and South Chungcheong Province uh, requested the central government to ease the requirement earlier this month.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think, uh, I I believe it was South Chungcheong Province and maybe uh, Daejeon as well. Those are the two areas that uh, basically said, listen, I think uh, this should be done on an individual uh, government uh, rather than a central government uh, basically, you know, putting the regulations on the entire country because their argument is that some of the regions in South Korea, the numbers aren't as bad. And so uh, some cities and some provinces should be able to lift the mask mandates uh, a bit quicker than, let's say, Seoul and the uh, the surrounding areas where the vast majority of the cases are happening. So uh, uh, for... <laughs> good. It's, it's almost three years uh, since we first reported. Uh, a month uh, from now, it's actually going to be exactly uh, three
2: years. It is, years, because right? January 20th, 20th was the first
0: right. case Ex- in Korea. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I'm sure, you know, you starting off with a, uh, you know, vast coverage on the COVID-19 <laughs> uh, issues. I don't know if you thought that you know, come 2022, December 20th, that you would still be talking about COVID-19. But certainly the numbers right now, Uh, It's not looking good. It almost seems uh, we're seeing numbers that we saw, uh, you know, last year uh, at the start of the pandemic as well. Uh, Let's take a look at the current COVID-19 situation with the numbers that came in earlier today.
2: Well, uh, SJ, as you mentioned earlier in the headlines, more than 87,500 new cases were posted in the past day, and that is the highest figure in three months. Uh, compared to a week ago, it's a rise by over 700 cases and compared to two weeks ago, almost 10,000 more cases. So it looks like we are seeing a slight rise from last week, but compared to two weeks ago, it is quite a surge. Uh, and uh, this is as uh, we are seeing m- more and more of the BN1 subvariant of the Omicron uh, spreading and uh, also What's a big concern is that uh, also we have the seasonal flu, more and more mm-hmm. people. Uh, so we're looking at maybe uh, another increase in a so-called twinemic. And uh, it's not only the daily um, number of people that are getting infected that's concerning, but the number of people that are in serious or critical condition has been in at the 500 level. <sighs> For the third consecutive day, and uh, so at 519 as of this uh, Tuesday, and uh, since um, on the 18th when we had the first number of uh, 500 cases for the first time in a long time, that was also for the first time in 90 days, so around three months. Uh, also, in the past day, 56 people were said to have uh, re- were reported dead from the COVID-19 virus. Uh, meanwhile, the Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, which has been long in charge of the COVID-19 pandemic, has a new chief uh, starting today. Or um, maybe it was uh, yesterday officially. But uh, anyways, we have a new uh, chief. That's Dr. Ji Young Mi, who was the CEO of the Institute Pasteur Korea. And uh, interestingly, I just met her. Last month on Jeju Island, uh, I was at an international conference emceeing for uh, an event where people were talking about cooperation on virus prevention uh, in, on an international front.
0: No, I was just thinking, if I I, I, th- mm-hmm. I think I also met her too. Maybe uh, she
2: was at Arirang uh, before as a guest yeah, because yeah, yeah. at the event, I heard her English was perfect. Yeah, so Yeah, yeah. and uh, she also used to be a member of the WHO International Health Regulation Emergency Committee on COVID-19. And on her first day in office as the commissioner of the KDCA, she vowed to take a step closer to the recovery of the people's daily lives by managing COVID-19 as a controllable trend. And she now serves as the third KDCA chief since we had the pandemic that's following Tong eun and Bae-kyung-nan. So I noticed they're all female leaders of the KDCA.
0: Yeah, um you know what's uh, the, the of the numbers that are coming out that's also very uh, concerning is the fact that there's uh, I, I've been seeing a lot of people get reinfected. Right, Uh, there's been people around me getting uh, reinfected. You know, they had Mm. COVID back uh, earlier this year, and uh, with even with the same Omicron uh, variant, uh, they're getting reinfected. And this is despite the fact that they have been that they've you know gotten the booster shot and so forth. Now, which raises the question now, uh, because I'm going to be honest with you. uh, Ever since I've got the booster shot and I was infected with COVID uh, back in, I believe it was like February, end of February that I got COVID. uh, I haven't gotten another shot since and i'm thinking maybe it's time that we i should start getting another shot because yeah, i'm I,
2: considering that too because
0: i thought it was i was like you know hey i got covid i it should be good for yeah. another year but then, then all of a sudden you see all the people around you get reinfected and uh i'm thinking maybe i should get uh the vaccine <laughs> once again uh nevertheless so let's move on to other issues uh we've certainly been covering uh Uh, a lot on North Korea's recent uh, advancement in their missile technology, satellite technology, and so forth. Uh, This time, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's sister Kim Yo-jong publicly dismissing doubts about North Korea's satellites, ICBM technologies uh, by criticizing those questioning the regime's assertion of having made great progress in its satellite and ICBM uh, capabilities. Uh, Ji, you're going to fill us in on this.
1: Right. So Kim Yo-jong, vice department director of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party, of North Korea and the North's leader Kim Jong-un's sister took issue with a view among experts in the outside world, including those in South Korea, that low-resolution black-and-white images of Seoul and Incheon, which were released by Pyongyang the previous day, are uh, too crude to be satellite photos. So Kim issued a statement today criticizing those who questioned uh, the regime's such capabilities and the North claimed the launch of rockets as part of its uh, military uh, reconnaissance satellite project and made public those two photos which were presumed to be taken from a mock satellite. Uh, And some experts said the quality of these images was too poor.
0: It was poor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Kim said um, it's inappropriate and hasty to assess the North's satellite uh, development capabilities and relevant preparations with the two photos alone. And she also condemned those who questioned whether the North has mastered the atmospheric re-entry technology for its intercontinental ballistic missile. And some critics accuse the North of disguising uh, this development behind a uh, facade of space launches. And regarding such doubts, uh, Kim Jong Jong promised North Korea would not disguise such acts and has proven it is willing to openly test ICBMs as it did with the Hwasong-17 launch last month and a new solid fuel engine last week intended for use uh, in a new class of ICBMs. And she also implied a possible future test by adding it's something that may happen soon. So uh, she said it's something you'll, uh, referring to the international community, come to understand. And as a strong warning following the North's continued escalation of provocations, along with Kim Jong jongs such harsh remarks towards South Korea and the U.S., the USF-22 stealth fighter, which is considered the world's strongest fighter jet, was dispatched to South Korea for the first time in four years. And even the B-52H strategic bomber was also deployed near the Korean Peninsula, uh, which will be used for joint uh, Korea-U.S. training.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the satellite imagery from North Korea recently once again. And uh, again, I mean... Really, it, it is low resolution. Uh, you know, you compare that with some of the uh, the technology that I mean. Obviously, uh, North Korea is not going to have uh, you know technology on par with the United States and South Korea as well. But uh, it really is low resolution, which is why uh, there was a lot of people that were questioning whether or not it was done through this latest technology. And you're of course going to be seeing uh, some remarks by North Korea in regards to that. I'm pretty. I'm sure they'll be pretty upset on this. Uh, North Korea, meanwhile, warning Japan on Tuesday against exercising counter-strike abilities. Uh, we talked about this uh, yesterday as well, which, by the way, also kind of uh, upset, in some aspects upset, upset some people here in South Korea. But uh, this, of course, was included in Tokyo's national security strategy released last week. So let's get the details of this.
2: Right. North Korea's foreign ministry said on Tuesday it will respond with what it called concrete or actual action against Japan's counter-strike capabilities which it formalized in its recent revision of its key security document, which was endorsed by the cabinet last Friday. The Japanese government had pledged to acquire so-called counter-strike capability exclusively for defense purposes under what it calls the war-renouncing constitution. The revision comes amid North Korea's progress with its nuclear and missile program as well as China's increases uh, in its military buildup. So Pyongyang, not fond of this obviously, said in its foreign ministry statement that Japan is triggering a uh, quote, grave security crisis on the Korean Peninsula and Northeast Asia. The statement stressed the counter-strike capability is not about a sovereign state's lawful right to defend itself, but gives the country the permission to launch invasive strikes against other countries. It's actually quite funny that North Korea is saying this, mm-hmm. because it's exactly what it is doing as well. Uh, but uh, what it said in the statement is, in response to Japan's move to realize unjust and excessive ambition, That uh, North Korea will continue to show how much we are concerned and displeased with, as I said, actual action, how uh, they um, um, expressed it. Uh, Pyongyang, however, did not elaborate on what it meant with these actions.
0: Yeah, there's there's a number of things that happens because of Japan's recent uh, announcements on their counter-strike capabilities. Number one, uh, many experts are saying that North Korea doesn't care for Japan. I, you know, they're really not trying to threaten uh, Japan. I mean, I guess they're They're upset that Japan has been uh, working very closely with you know both South Korea and the United States as well. But, uh, the missiles that they shot over Japan and so forth, it's not to directly threaten them. But again, uh, oftentimes these provocations and uh, previous nuclear tests, uh, they were done so to kind of uh, leverage themselves uh, in when it comes to future negotiations with the United States and South Korea. But what this does now is going to really upset China. They were, basically, China is gonna go, in North Korea, see, look what you did, man. All those uh, provocations that you were conducting and also getting uh, Japan involved, uh, Uh, prior to this year, they really didn't get Japan involved with this. Uh, And now China is going, look, because of all your uh, threats, quote unquote, the provocative acts and your threats, Japan is not going into this. And now having Japan kind of ramp up their military, uh, the United States could kind of use that uh, for their Uh, I guess, uh, uh, military uh, strategic assets uh, for China, right? And so now China is going to be very much upset about this. But others are also arguing that Japan, by kind of ramping up their military, it's going to raise the tensions uh, in the region, the Asia-Pacific region. So it's not really a good move on that part. So nothing is working well uh, at this point. And uh, of course, uh, the big question is whether or not uh, North Korea will eventually come back to the negotiating table, because certainly doesn't seem like that way right now guys let's move on to other issues the european union on monday having approved this first ever cap on gas prices after months of political bickering uh, over the matter the decision on the gas cap was finalized during the last energy council of the year over in brussels Let's get some more details of this, uh, chi
1: Sure. So the recent decision by the EU to operate a cap system for gas prices is aimed at curbing energy prices, basically, uh, which is a crisis, of course, exacerbated by Russia's decision to stop supplying the EU with fossil fuels to retaliate against the region's sanctions over uh, its war in Ukraine. Now, the gas cap, which is to be implemented on the 1st of February and come into force on the 15th of the same month, will, uh, however, come with stringent conditions attached and safeguards for suspension in case it backfires. So EU officials had previously described it as an instrument of deterrence aimed at preventing the most excessive episodes of volatility and speculation and the cap is to apply uh, is to apply to the Tidal transfer facility TTF which is Europe's leading hub for gas trading and other similar venues as well. So the prices set every day at the TTF uh, have a strong influence on the bills that companies and consumers receive every month and it'll be automatically activated uh, but if only two but only if two of these conditions are met. So first of all, if TTF prices reach or surpass 180 uh, 80 euros per megawatt hour for at least 3 days and this is a significant shift from the initial proposal by the European Commission which planned for the cap to be activated when gas prices reach 275 uh, euros for 10 consecutive days. And the other condition is if TTF prices are 35 euros higher than the market reference of liquefied natural gas during at least three consecutive trading days.
0: Uh, I guess now, uh, with all that's going on, uh, Chihi was uh, saying earlier uh, in the segment that uh, she can't believe that it's already been uh, yeah. this long since the, the start of the Ukraine war. Uh, a lot of things have happened in the past uh, 10 Uh, near 10 months right now. But uh, the big question right now is, you know, what's Russia up to next? Well, uh, what we did see is Russian President Vladimir Putin having met with his Belarusian counterpart, uh, Alexander Lukashenko, on Monday. Now, this is a a very rare meeting. Uh, Putin, I believe, going to Minsk himself. And uh, this is apparently seeking military cooperation. Um, The consensus is that despite the fact that Belarus is probably one of the closest allies of Russia uh, that they're probably not going to be getting, trying to get themselves into this war unless they're 100% sure that Russia is going to win this. But uh, this meeting with Lukashenko kind of raises a question whether or not there might be some major announcement expected uh, from Putin in the near future. So uh, let's get some more on this.
2: Right. Uh, the two allies sat together for a rare meeting, as you said. Uh, although we know Belarus is one of the countries... Uh, and I again should say rare countries that supports Russia in its war with Ukraine, but it is actually the first visit by Putin to Belarus since 2019. So Putin and Lukashenko were set to have discussed closer military cooperation, Uh, but uh, in the updates I see uh, the war in Ukraine was actually not mentioned at a press conference held after the talks. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, Ukraine is uh, bolstering its defense at the border with Belarus with armed forces and ammunition over fears of new attacks and uh, belarus shares borders with russia and ukraine and uh, also just hours uh, before this meeting moscow in fact launched a fresh barrage of drones attacks uh, in and around kiev and uh, also uh, the the major announcement uh, that you uh, mentioned sj that's uh, that was a forecast uh, made by uh, a broadcaster in Russia, which said we are waiting for important statements and those are expected to come out maybe this week. So we will have to see what kind of major announcements that could be.
0: I mean, it's probably unlikely that Russia will come out with an announcement saying that they'll fully pull out of Ukraine, right? Although I think a a lot of people are maybe hoping uh, that's the case here. But uh, look, I mean, all the things that has happened so far, um, I, I think both, I think Russia did not know think going into this invasion that it was going to take this long. Uh, But uh, there's a lot of experts at the same time saying that uh, this war might, uh, you know, fast forward a year from now, 2023, December, uh, this war might still be happening is what a lot of people are saying. It's uh, really unfortunate. So again, uh, what major announcement that will be, we'll have to continue to keep a close eye on that. Uh, Guys, thank you very much for coming in today with your reports. Please stay safe and uh, we'll see you guys